What is up, guys? I'm here with Jason and Armstrong. This is the Champcast. We got MacGyver behind the glass. Mike Gamble will be joining me shortly to have a conversation with Armstrong about their wild card matchup. Jason, what are we going to be talking about today? Well, I don't mean to derail the podcast immediately, but I want to take a second to address the wild success of episode one. As we currently stand at 59 downloads on a podcast uploaded to our league for our league about strictly our league. I don't know who you lunatics are out there listening to this, but if you do have any questions, comments, or feedback, please email us at champcastpod at gmail.com. I'm going (laughs) to read it. Uh but going forward today, we're going to be recapping the wild card matchups for baseball, looking forward to the rest of the playoffs, and then talking football. Yeah, we have a uh, we have a packed show. We're going over the last week of the regular season, the wild card weekend, and now the first round of the second or the first week of the second round of the playoffs going on in baseball, and then we're going to be going over all the matchups and news in football. Um. I guess while we're at it, let me invite Gamba to the call and let's see what he has to say. Before we get into it, how are you feeling about baseball generally, John? You've said some things recently that seem cause for concern. I mean, the uh, the Mets are all over the place. It's a uh, it's a struggle day to day with this team. One day I'm like, we are going to win the World Series, and the next day I'm like, we are the Miami Marlins. Why am I even watching baseball? So. Uh, you know, we're up on Max Scherzer right now, which is a problem for Joyce in the uh, his playoff matchup right now. I'm sure Scherzer is not putting up a uh, great point point total as he's being dominated by the Mets. True, he was bound to went into some bad luck eventually, though. Yeah, he's coming off his injury, and uh, I met more Joyce um, than Scherzer or Joyce. Okay. Well, yeah, Joyce had some tough luck last week. He didn't really. He kind of lucked out with the bye. He got bailed out by Verlander's no-hitter. I think Verlander and Sonny Gray put up, like, 100 combined points for him. But, like, his team really didn't show up. No, um, he was very lucky he had the bye. I think he would have lost to everyone Justin else. as well. Justin Justin only put up, I think, like, 250. His was even worse. Well, uh, you know what? Let's just get it's right into it. Man. Justin beat Gamba to get the bye week in the last week of the regular season. That's something me and you, Jason, did not see coming. We thought Justin, uh, by not playing a second baseman and not having the favorable pitching matchups, would not be able to handle Gamba's offense. And he kind of dominated Gamba the whole week. Um, were you surprised by that? Because, you know, I definitely was. Yeah, I mean, we both picked Gamba to win that matchup. Uh... Yeah, so Gamba had favorable pitching matchups not go his way. Um, we thought he'd get some better luck. And Justin had a couple one starters um, that we kind of thought might have a harder time than they did. But uh, they really carried Justin. Justin won by like 150 points. He absolutely yeah, didn't this, It wasn't close. Also, getting almost 40 out of a relief spot uh, with Ozuna getting four saves in a week. 
that's not something you can really predict. He, we, we both thought that Paxton against the Dodgers was a little gamble. He pitched really well. Jordan Lyles sucks, but he pitched really well. <laughs> uh, really, his his only misstep was Jose Barrios, who you're going to start every time out there. But he had a not a great start. Well, Gamba, Gamba just his team didn't show up outside of Freddie Freeman and Cattell Marte. None of his hitters broke twenty. Uh, most of them in single digits. Really, just not a good look all around. Trevor Bauer scored the same amount of points as Denelson Lamette. I'll let you guess if that's a high or low number, but yeah, I'm gonna um, say low. You're right. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, Gambus team. This offense we were talking about being dominant along with his pitching. Really, just kind of laid an egg. He only got good contributions from like four players on his team, and while those four players are good, Wade Miley, Freddie Freeman, Cattell Marte, and Luis Castillo, the rest of his team definitely underperformed. Um, so yeah, we don't have to stick on that for too long. It was a blowout, kind of surprising. The other thing that happened that week was, uh, Duff, the most important game of the week. Yeah. The <laughs> Duff edging out Campbell to avoid the punishment. Duff, who was in last place all year on the last week of the season, climbs all the way up the ladder to 11th. And now Campbell and Kellett are stuck with the punishment. That was a true nail biter. That came down to the last day. Duff was in bad shape and and had a huge game from Dallas Keuchel to give him the lead. Yeah, um, you know, it, it was kind of what we thought it would be. I said it was going to come down to whose pitchers um, could just not suck, and that's kind of what it came down to. Uh, Low-scoring affair that uh, Duff ended up edging out, I think, on Sunday Night Baseball with the Yankees playing. I think he got a um, contribution from like Max Muncy and maybe a uh, maybe a couple other guys who uh, helped him just eclipse Campbell. So uh, Campbell's going to be uh, getting this punishment. I, uh, he actually does something. Yeah, we'll uh, we will see. Kellett was the team manager, so I don't know who's going to be performing the punishment, him or uh, Campbell. But um, very interesting. That was basically all that happened the last week of the regular season. As we go toward the, uh, as we got toward the wild card matchups, we had Justin and Joyce getting the buy. Justin needing that buy as he only put up 259 points in his bye week. Um, we had Gamba beating Armstrong, and Kyle beating Dan. Um, these were two pretty good games. They kind of got out of hand, but it was respectful from all four teams. Maybe a little low on the. Uh, on the points from Armstrong. Do you have anything to say for your team, Armstrong? Well, first, I guess I'll start by saying that Gamba had a very good week. Uh, kind of hard to beat 311 points, I should say. Uh, I mean, Kyle still... would have. Yeah, well, Kyle also would have. But... Uh, I also would have. I didn't I, make the playoffs. I could have very well have put up at least a comparable point total, I think. But my whole entire team was just non-existent. I mean, I got bad luck in... Keston Hura and Gio Urshela going down right at the beginning of the week. And then the week prior, losing Sean Doolittle, who I relied upon in the reliever spot. So I had to go with Jose LeClerc, which is never a good idea. Will Smith also pitched one inning and blew a save in that inning. I got zero performances out of, not zero points, but very 
non-characteristic performances from Domingo Herman, DeGrom, and Mike Miner, um, and just no offense whatsoever. The only people eclipsing 20 points were Jose Abreu and Bryce Harper. I mean, Jeff McNeil got me nine and a half points. I got 13 and a half from Glaber Torres and 14 and a half from Acuna, 15 from Donaldson. It was just a bad week, just very, very bad week. Whereas the only person who really had a bad week for Gambit was Trevor Bauer and James McCann, but it's James McCann. Yeah, so we're trying to get Gamble on right now. He's having Skype problems um, to talk about his victory. Yeah, Gamba, um, Gamba really just had all his studs show up. Anyone on offense that you thought would perform really put up. Lindor, Mayhew, Freeman, Yelich, Baez, all over 20 points, several of them over 30 just really big performances up and down the lineup that kind of covered up some middling showings from his rotation uh, outside of Luis Castillo. Nothing really outstanding down there. But again, another huge pit, uh, performance out of a relief pitcher with Josh Hader giving him over 30 points. Yeah, I mean, just the note on that, I mean, he put up 203 points from his offense. He got 108 from his pitchers, which is kind of the opposite or at very least, you expect probably about equal from both. And he double, almost doubled up between offense and pitching. With, if you look at mine, I got 134 from my offense and oh, 99 and a half from my pitchers. So still a little low on the pitching side, but like much closer together. He almost practically just doubled it with his offense. So it just goes to show how dominant that lineup really is. So I think we figured out the, uh, the problem with Canvas Skype call. Um, were there any other takeaways from, uh, from these games real quick while I add him to this call? From I think this we game? might have, we might have somehow underestimated Gamba's lineup, which we acknowledged was very good, but maybe at the same time overestimated his rotation. Uh, guys like Lance Lynn and Robbie Ray, who've kind of overperformed all year, at least by my expectations, guys that I didn't really think would be much. Uh, came down to earth a little bit, although still put up respectable numbers. All right, we are here with uh, Gambo. We were just talking about your matchup with Armstrong. Um, do you have anything to say about the beatdown you put on Armstrong in the wildcard game? Uh, honestly, it wasn't surprising. I think I had the better team. I think that was uh, obvious from the beginning. Although, he did put up a lot of points this year, but... Uh, I think my pitching holding up and my offense is far superior, and, and the pitching kind of brought me to the end there for the win. I wouldn't say far superior, but you did have a better week, I was, clearly, but you definitely yeah, had a better, no, a better just, week uh, than I did. I mean, yeah, I just think that uh, obviously I had the better team, so that that's what showed there. How uh, how far do you think you're going to be able to go in these playoffs? Do you think you're going to be able to give it to Joyce this week as you're down uh, 46 points? Yeah, well, um, I had to resort to picking up Mike Montgomery on a two-start, so I don't know how that's going to go for me. But if he's he's pitched one clean inning, so that should inspire a lot of confidence, right there. <laughs> yeah, I see it now. One inning, two Ks. Um, yeah, no, I I think if my pitching can hold up, I should be able to beat Joyce because I think I do have a better lineup than him. But his pitching staff is just ridiculous, so we'll see. Me and Jason were saying you probably have the superior offense in the league, but uh, 
we would agree Joyce's pitching is uh, pretty nasty. He um, Max Scherzer we'll have... getting beat up right now though. That's yeah, Scherzer on a two start. Scherzer on a two start was going to be a huge advantage for him, and he's already lost the uh, attempts for a quality start here. So that's really going to hurt Joyce. We'll see if the Nationals can come back well, against. It's a loss, so that puts him like almost like. Uh, re- relax. It's the fifth inning. The Mets have the Mets bullpen. Don't uh, <laughs> don't look too far ahead here. But no, uh, just saying. I mean, you look yeah, at so, a two star for Scherzer becoming basically a one star. That is true, but Scherzer, you know, at any time has the chance to pop off for a uh, huge one start. He is one of the best pitchers in baseball. Um, and I see that his next start is coming up against Atlanta, so that's not a very favorable matchup either. He's got Verlander going against Seattle, which is a favorable matchup, but then uh, Jose Quintana going at Milwaukee and Sonny Gray going against Philly. Maybe not the best matchups there, but... Uh, Syndergaard up against, is he... Syndergaard's, Syndergaard's getting Philly as well, so okay. he pitched, Syndergaard pitched a gem for Joyce last night. That's yeah, the reason why he is a start. Okay. So, not to get a uh, not to get too hung up on this one game. In the other wild card game, we had Kyle giving the beat down to Dan, dropping a three sixty spot on him. Uh, was anyone here surprised at that, or were we all just shocked that Dan made the playoffs? Yes. I mean, you can't not be surprised by 360. There, uh, Dan put up a good fight. 290, like, very respectful 298, score. I would think, would win a lot of weeks, okay. and it really was not that close of a matchup, yeah, which no. uh, was definitely surprising. Well, yeah. actually, I, I was looking at it earlier in the week, and Dan was hanging tough for the first couple of days. It was pretty neck and neck, and then Kyle just happened to pull away at the end. But through Thursday or so... Dan was right there. I was like in my head that well, maybe Dan might pull this off. Dan actually had the two highest scoring players in this matchup with Bogarts and Rendon, but Kyle got quality points from everyone on his roster except for Mike Moustakis, who uh, did not really play last week. He had um, three players drop over 30, and his entire team basically dropped over 15. So... Uh, yeah, that when was Zach Granke's. When Zach Granke's your second worst player, you're in good shape. Yeah, Dan also getting clunkers from Kershaw and Ryu, arguably two of his uh, best players. They've been two of the best player pitchers in baseball this year. Really hurt the Yankees. Yeah, seriously, that's what happens when you go and play in a stadium that's got a fence that's like 190 out to right field. They did well, put that game in Los Angeles though. So whatever. Dan, Dan okay. also doesn't watch baseball, so I'm not really surprised that. He's out this early, but I'm also very surprised that he was even there to begin with. So Yeah, it was surprising Dan made the playoffs. Um, he actually texted me earlier this year if I had Jason Giambi and if he could trade for him, and I told him, uh, <laughs> yes, you, I'll give him you for a first, and he said second, and I backed down. I did not think that was fair value. So that's what happened um, during the wildcard games. They were relatively entertaining games, even though they did not finish close. They were close throughout most of the week. This week... Gamba going against Joyce. We've already kind of went over that a little bit. Gamba, you're hanging tough. It is a two uh, two week second round we have here. How uh, how confident are you, Gamba, that you're going to be able to come back? I'm pretty confident. I think, like I said earlier, like my offense is always going to keep me in games. It's just a matter of if my pitching is going to get it done. And um, last week, 
for the past few weeks, actually, I've kind of had some clunkers from Miley and Lynn, and Trevor Bauer just apparently forgot how to pitch when he went to Cincinnati, which doesn't help either. So I'm kind of working the waiver wire and doing that whole thing right now, but it's really not where I want to be with uh, Woodruff Hurt, too. kind of hurts, but I'm going to try and piece it together and, and get the W this week. Yeah, so that game, uh, we are recording this on Tuesday night. We are only probably a day and a half into the uh, week here, and uh, this is a two-week playoff game. The other game we got going on is Justin versus Kyle, and Justin has given it to Kyle out of the gate early. He's up 121-47. Um, he's gotten a strong start from Paxton and Cole. Mike Soroka got a win. Gary Sanchez has a couple home runs. Um, it's early, but Justin's team is really good. Um, Gamba, what uh, what would you have to say to Justin if you were to meet him in the finals for this league? Justin will not beat me in the finals. It's not going to happen. I'm a, I, you know, I, I just have the kid's number in every aspect of, of everything. <laughs> fantasy football, fantasy baseball. Boxing in real life, I just have the kid's number. He's not going to beat me. It's not going to happen. So you uh, you brought up boxing there. Yes. Um, we uh, we've been trying to see this fight for a while. You know, couple uh, couple rounds here. How long do you think uh, Justin lasts inside the squared circle versus yourself? I'll give him uh, maybe a minute. Ooh, maybe a minute. Strong words from uh, boxer Mike Amber here. But looking at uh getting getting back to Justin's matchup, looking at this game, Justin's up one twenty one to forty seven. Do you guys think Kyle has any chance to pull off the upset here on Justin? There's a lot of time left, like you said, with it being a two week matchup. So that kind of negates the effect of two starters and things like that. So even though I think Kyle probably has a lesser rotation, it might not matter as much. Uh he's got a chance. Uh, Justin's team has definitely shown to be mortal at times. Like last week, we saw not a great performance. He was on the bye, so it didn't matter. But uh, any given week, we could see Kyle's team blow up like he did against uh, whoever it was last week. Delayo. Delayo, yeah. yeah. He's got a lot of players on his team as well that can just go on runs. He has a very solid, deep team without... Um, the superstar power that a couple of these other playoff teams have. I mean, yeah, you just look at. I mean, you all know about the power, the power of Aaron Judge. He'd go out and just hit six home runs in a week. He got Bregman in there and at third base. Maury Polanco has played very well this year. And then you just look at his pitchers. I mean, Zach Greinke is a very good pitcher. Um, not doing so great tonight, but he can always turn that around. You got Aaron Nola. Oda Rizzi's been good this week or this year. Clevenger, who's pitched pretty well tonight. Um, and then he's got two of the better relief pitchers in the game. And, you know, if their teams get them leads, you're talking about, you know, them each putting up four saves in a week. He could get them easily back in this game pretty quickly. Yeah, I'd say um, the pitching advantage we thought Justin was going to have, looking at this matchup, Kyle might almost have a uh, a pitching advantage in this playoff run. Who I think it's really going to come down to is how well James Paxton pitches. He's been a lot better recently. Armstrong, you are the resident Yankee fan here. Um, do you think Paxton is back, or do you think these starts have been a little fluky recently, him going out and pitching well? 
So I would probably land somewhere between that. I don't think he's necessarily a fluke. I think this is what you get with Paxton. You get a um, couple games that are just clunkers, and you just think, well, what is this guy doing? And then you get games that he comes out and pitches like an ace. I mean, he threw a no-hitter last year. I mean, I know some not-good pitchers have thrown no-hitters in the past, but this is this is a guy who, when he's on, is an ace, and a guy who, in my opinion, should be in contention for drawing that uh, game one playoff start for the Yankees, but only if he's hot. I mean, when he's cold, he's cold. But the, yeah. these past couple games, he's just he's been very, very effective. And we saw tonight, I mean, he's thrown seven shutout innings tonight with 12 strikeouts. Yeah, so a lot of these games he's pitched well in at Baltimore, Baltimore at Seattle, and then tonight, Texas. The one that really stands out is he pitched very well at the Dodgers, um, that's a tough start, and he put up 28.5 fantasy points in that week. I could so, be uh, mistaken, but I think that matchup, he went up against Ryu, who is the ERA leader for the entire MLB. He did, and the Yankees covered Ryu. That is why, uh, one of the big reasons Dan did not move on, that was the start we were talking about where Dan put up a clunker. Uh, let me ask you a question. Before the season started, right after the draft, Justin trades... Steven Strasburg straight up for James Paxton. If uh, if we were going to grade that trade, what would we get it looking back at it right now? It's a big mistake. I mean, it's nothing short of a lapsing judgment on Justin's part. I mean, Paxton's good. And I, I think, if I remember correctly, his reasoning for that is he just wanted a Yankee on his team because he wanted somebody to root for. Um, but clearly, Strasburg's been the better pitcher this year. And he, even with Paxton pitching better of late, I think there's just more talent with Strasburg and more results that you know what you're getting with him. Yeah, and you could say you're trading away the injury risk with Strasburg. You know, he has that reputation, but uh, it's hard to say you're getting much better with Paxton. Uh, he, I don't think he's ever thrown more than, like, 160 innings. The guy's constantly hurt. Agreed. What do uh, you have any opinion on that, Gamba? Yeah, well, uh, you know, smart fantasy managers, they manage with their minds, not their hearts. So, uh, typical mistake out of Justin. Nothing, wouldn't expect anything less. Uh, probably gonna cost himself the, uh, fantasy season here, cause he's gonna probably lose this week. If not this week, he's gonna lose to me next week, so. Yeah. Those are my actually, I Gamba preaching what he practices, not a single Met on Gamba's team, by the way. Yeah, wow. Gamba, um, Taking the high road this year, not filling himself with streaky, not filling his team with streaky Mets players, but going with uh, a lot of proven studs. And Gamba, I really have to commend you. You built this team without your first round pick, and you were missing a couple other picks in there. Um, you really did a good job drafting this year. And just looking at the stats, Justin traded the number fifty-four overall pitcher in James Paxton, or traded for the number fifty-four overall pitcher, uh, and gave away Strasburg, who was ranked number four at starting pitcher this year, so big drop-off there. Yeah, I actually thought Strasburg was hurt recently, just because I felt like I haven't heard his name all year, and that's usually why, if you don't hear people talking about him. But he's just quietly having a monster season. Yeah, big time. So uh, that's pretty much all we have uh, for baseball. Do you guys have anything else you want to highlight here? I, I think yeah, ready, I, I think we've covered it. I mean, it's just a matter of, you know, it'll be interesting to see on who moves on. I mean, I know Gamba's very confident in his team, and as he should be with the lineup he's put together. Um, but you never know. Joyce we want to make predictions? Us. Sure, let's go for it. I mean, Joyce has surprised us year in and year out, so. 
Joyce is my championship pick, so sorry, Gamba, but I gotta take him. Well, before I make a prediction, Gamba, can I hear a percentage um, that you think there is any chance that you don't win this championship going up against Joyce and then Justin? Zero percent. I love to hear that. So my pick is probably going to be Gamba. I actually think Gamba has the most well-rounded team left in this playoffs. He's got the pitching and the offense, while I think the other teams have a couple holes in there. Uh, I think Gamba's team is very well-rounded. I actually agree with you, but uh, I'm sticking to my guns. I'm going with Joyce. Yeah, I mean, I think Justin, I think I'd like him to beat Kyle this week, so I, I have Justin in the finals. Match, I, I think he's just got such a, such a talented roster and such a dominant pitching rotation with Paxton, Barrios, Bumgarner, Soroka, and Cole. You're not even talking about Stroman and, and you know all those offensive players he's got. I think the game between Gamba and um, sorry Gamba and Joyce gonna be a, a little bit closer. I'm still kind of torn, but I I think I do like. Gamba's lineup a lot, and I think that just naturally they're going to keep him in the game, and if he can get some positive performances from some unlikely pitchers, he could overtake Joyce. So I would take Gamba over Joyce, and I think I'm going to have to take Diamond over Gamba in the finals, because I think he's just got such a talented roster from top to bottom. Gamba, do you think there's a chance Justin loses this week? Are you picking Kyle? I don't know. I haven't really looked into it. I think they both have good teams. I feel like every time I've checked the score on any of Kyle's games this year, he's just put up a ridiculous amount of points. But I know that Justin's team is pretty solid as well. I I guess I don't know. It's like a, it's like a toss-up for me. I think their teams are both good enough to win. I know you guys said right now uh, Kyle's Kyle's up big or Justin's up big. Justin's up uh, about 80 points. He's up about 80 points. I mean, those are tough deficits to overcome, but it is a two-week uh two-week cycle here, so I don't know. I, I'm going to go with Kyle just because I think uh, I think Kyle's going to win. Just talk shit. Yeah, just kind of. Yeah, I, just I would love to see Joyce win the league and have to track down Campbell to either give out a punishment or try and get his $20. <laughs> Joyce is uh, about to get washed Campbell, away in a hurricane. Joyce actually might be dead right now. <laughs> we have not heard from him and a hurricane is hitting his... Uh, Hometown of Bumblefuck, South Carolina. So, uh, well, at least he won't set his lineup next week. So, that's true. Could make it easier for Gamba if Joyce is, you know, dead or whatever. So, what was our final count? We had we had three Gambas, one Joyce, and then John. Who did you take in Justin's matchup? I am going Justin, and I think Gamba's going to come out on top versus Justin. Three, three Justins, one Kyle. All right, love, love to hear it. We'll see if anyone can upset the odds. Alright, let's uh let's move over to football. I am so <laughs> excited for football guys. Yeah, um, I'm well big hype. First game's on Thursday. I already have money on it. I cannot wait. I cannot I've wait. done like an irrational amount of work trying to find a VPN that will let me locate myself by state, not by country, so that I could bet I could say that I'm in New Jersey and bet. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah I mean I'm, as a Packer fan I'm just so excited for that game not excited for the fantasy season because my roster is awful but I got money on the Packers tomorrow people you have uh, to put money in the Packers yeah people are looking toward the Bears Aaron Rodgers Bears are not good 
He is the owner of the North, man. I don't know if they're not good. But they're, <laughs> so, offense is average. Defense is very good. Let's get into a couple of the pickups that happened in our league. Um, I would say the biggest pickup probably would be me picking up Josh Gordon. Um, this was someone I wanted to draft and uh, made a uh, miscalculation with how many players are on my team and unfortunately had to draft a kicker. Thanks, Armstrong. But uh, luckily... Josh Gordon was reinstated the day after waivers went through, and I scooped Josh Gordon up for nine waiver dollars, which was huge. What uh, what kind of presence do you think Josh Gordon's going to have in this Patriots offense if he can stay off the weed? I mean, if if he can stay on the field, he's the number one outside guy on that team. You know, Edelman's going to get his in the slot, but there's a big hole to fill without Gronk in that offense, even though he wasn't very productive last year. He still does a lot for that team. And uh, we saw Gordon was very very good with the Patriots last year when he played. Um, the Patriots also just lost their their rookie receiver, Nikhil Harry, to, mm. I don't know if it's season-ending IR or if, I don't he, has, think it or is, if he can return. I think, I think he's going to return later in the year. I don't think yeah, it's well, a season-ending. He's, he's on IR, so he's out at least the first eight weeks. Right. And I, I honestly don't know who else is on that team at receiver behind Gordon and Edelman. Well, so if I can he, be, uh, he should get his work. If I can be honest with you, I saw the Patriots. The last guy to make their 53-man roster roster was a white undrafted wide receiver. So my first thought was Josh Gunner Ozlowski. Yeah, so my first thought was Josh Gordon did add, but I believe is a special teamer. <laughs> yeah, no, Josh Gordon's job is it's toast. I mean, I think Josh Gordon's going to be good, but I wonder, because the Patriots spread the ball around so much. I mean, they throw a lot to the running backs. They throw a lot to Edelman. But just in general, they go with a lot of different looks and just put the ball all over the place. I mean, Brady doesn't ever throw the ball to the same person eight, nine times a game. No, so yeah, I agree. Outside of Gronk, he never really did that with anybody. So, well, I, I think Gordon's going to have a good year to, to think he's going to just be the explosive player, be that bona fide number one receiver, or even a wide receiver too. I don't think that's going to happen. I think you could have him in the flex as a very strong flex week in and week out, but to count on him as your number one or two receiver, I think would kind of be a faulty way to go about it. Yeah, I don't expect him to be a one. I think he has number two upside, but uh, like you said, he's not going to be a big catch guy but he's going to make his money in the end zone. Uh, someone's got to catch those touchdowns, and it can't always be James White. Um, yeah, I, I agree. John has was... talent at receiver, so he already has Julio Jones and Tyler Boyd. Like, Josh Gordon's in the two-flex conversation for him, which is right where I think you want him. Exactly. Yeah, uh, I, I think uh, I think what limits Gordon's fantasy value is the fact that uh, Belichick kind of coaches and uses his players based on matchups. So he doesn't really, um, I think he uses different guys based on what the defense does. So maybe one game James White will have a big game, the next game Josh Gordon will have a big game. You can't really count on Gordon giving you consistent production because Belichick has different, I feel like he runs, you know, a lot of different uh, different stuff depending on what the defense is doing. So that's going to limit Gordon in my opinion. You see a lot of that with their running backs too. Like one week it's, you know, just look at last year, one, one week it's Rex Burkhead, and the next week it's right. James White, and right. next week it's Deion Lewis. I mean, he just jumps around so much to just what he thinks is going to win the game, and that almost always helps him win the game in the end. 
Absolutely. Yeah, he uh, he coaches his team like he hates fantasy football. So he'll pull <laughs> guys off the street, let them rush for four touchdowns, and cut them the next day. He uh, Belichick basically has free reign to do whatever he wants up in New England. Um, of the other guys who were picked up, we had Kyle Rudolph and Cortland Sutton. Um, did anyone else stand out to you guys as uh, valuable pieces that were picked up, or were they just kind of more depth guys we don't really have to get into? Yeah, I like yeah, we'll get to that uh, when we talk about some of the news and moves around the league, I think. But I like your Matt Breida pickup a lot, John. Uh, I think he's really good. Uh, he was really good last year in San Francisco, couldn't stay healthy. But when he was on the field, he was productive. And uh, not a whole lot has changed about the situation. Tevin Coleman's there now, but Tevin Coleman doesn't have the sterling history of health or production. Uh, Jarek McKinnon just went on season-ending IR. He's going to miss his second straight season. Real tough break. And then behind that, it's just really a bunch of scrubs. I, I easily see Matt Breida having a role in this offense and is one injury away from uh, a starting workload in a system that's been very productive for running backs over the past three or four years. Yeah, I think the half-point PPR format will help him out. He catches so many passes. Um, not a big guy to run it between the tackles, but they'll use him kind of in that James White role that uh, he'll go out and catch passes. And it worried me when I picked them up because they had three of the basically exact same running backs with him, Tevin Coleman, and Jarek McKinnon. But with McKinnon getting hurt, it really opens up work for Matt Burita. I hope, uh, hope he becomes a valuable pickup. Another one I wanted to hi- highlight was actually Eric James picking up James Washington out of Pittsburgh, the wide receiver. He's a guy that I actually had on my watch list. I was interested in him. I wasn't going to pick him up because I had enough enough depth at receiver. But this is a guy who um, didn't play that much last year. I think it was because of injury. But, you know, with Antonio Brown out of Pittsburgh, I mean, he's had a pretty good preseason, and there's a lot of hype around him. And I think Eric picking him up, I mean, he could be – you know, the second coming of Juju Smith-Schuster in that offense. The, the guy you don't think is very good, you know, mid-round draft pick, and all of a sudden he becomes, you know, a bona fide number one receiver. So I, he's a guy I think you want to keep your eye on. Yeah, the Steelers have a lot of faith in their ability to do this. They uh, basically have next man up at all times, and whoever they get into a starting role at wide receiver on the field basically immediately becomes a stud. It happened with uh, Antonio Brown coming out of nowhere behind Heinz Ward. Happened with Juju, and people are saying James Washington could be next. So that's a very high upside pick for uh, for Eric. I think Eric needs to take those kind of flyers too, especially at receiver. We talked about his team last week. His receiving options right now are just honestly trash. Uh, <laughs> until until he can get AJ Green back, it's a lot of upside guys that are unproven that you're you're hoping someone hits. But even if these guys do hit, I don't see them being much more than twos. Yeah, um, which, you know, those pieces are helpful, but uh, I do hear what you're saying. It's not like he's expecting James Washington to come in and be his number one, even though that might be what Eric needs. Um, All right, is there anyone else you guys want to talk about? Hmm. No, I think Frank Gore was added. That's fun. Yeah, I just love that uh, he's still a thing, that he's still... Just chugging along. 42 Frank years Gore. old and he's still taking people's jobs. Gotta love it. Frank Gore is inevitable. He's famous. <laughs> so um, let's go into uh, like some recent football news that could impact uh, impact some teams around the league. I think they, uh, we should start with the big running back signing news. Of course, I'm referring to Giovanni Bernard getting a two-year contract extension. 
10, over $10 million. Hashtag Team Geo. <laughs> yeah. Um, he Actually, seems, though, they paid him, like, a lot. <laughs> which is funny, because they have Joe Mixon, but they uh, they like having him there as a uh, insurance policy to come out of the backfield and catch passes. You know, I'm a huge Team Geo guy also. I think he... Uh, He's been the best running back on that team for a while, and it's a shame they won't give him that full workload. They've got a new system in place now, a new offensive coordinator, a new head coach. Uh, so he could see more work, and this signing is definitely, or this contract extension, it's you know a sign that they have faith in him. They believe that he's still a valuable piece of their offense, even though I think he averaged like seven touches a week, or yeah, seven touches a game last year, something like that. But, you know, new coaching staff, you never know what could unfold. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't have a uh, a ton of fantasy relevance. So uh, getting into so, someone yeah. who does have fantasy relevance, um, Andrew Luck retiring after realizing he was drafted by Eric. Um, <laughs> Eric was... Uh, Can't be a part of that. Yeah, not thrilled to see that happen. Um, do you think Eric's going to be able to withstand that on his team? With the uh, the depth he has, that's a big blow. Andrew Luck was someone who uh, was probably supposed to be a top-five quarterback. Quarterbacks are a replaceable position. There's lots of talent around the league. There's lots of guys who didn't get drafted who will be worthy of starting on a week-to-week basis. Um, he picked up Dak Prescott, who I think is fine, but just doesn't have the upside that Andrew Luck has, you know, the potential to be QB1 on the year. And is a guy that Eric spent up for in the auction and uh, left holes uh, in the rest of his roster. Like we've talked about, this was a team that I didn't like coming out of the draft and certainly losing your big name at quarterback has only made it worse. I agree with Jason there. I mean, I think for a normal team, we're talking about, you know, okay, you lose your quarterback, you just go week to week and pick up, you know, whoever's got a good matchup. Um, but I think if you look at Eric's team, you know, he really did need that you know, top flight, you know, elite quarterback because the rest of his foster outside of maybe running back is rather weak. So you're talking about a guy who was going to give him a lot of points on a week-to-week basis, and you could just plug him in and forget, just like, you know, you do with Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. You plug him in the lineup and you forget about it. You know, now he's got to go week-to-week with quarterback and look at the matchups, and, you know, you get run into the, the issue of maybe the person who had a good matchup doesn't have a good week. You know, if Dak Prescott comes up and throws a clunker against the Giants, you're going to be wishing you had Andrew Luck. Yeah, where that really hurts Eric is it leaves him with two wide receivers who are projected seven points, and uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling and James Washington as his two starting wide receivers. That um, That's really a weak look for that team. So uh, we will see if Eric can rebound from uh, the Andrew Luck retirement. That was shocking news. I was blown away when uh, I read that. Um, I thought this could be a Super Bowl run kind of year for the Colts, and uh, once I heard that news, I went to try and go smash the under on total wins for the Colts this year, and they took the line down because it was being hit so heavily. Yeah, it moved fast. (laughs) So uh, besides that, we had Lamar Miller get hurt for Colin. This hurt his team, but Lamar Miller I never really liked, and he also now will have Zeke coming back. So... um, you know, a net gain for Colin, but losing one of your um, top three running backs is uh, always a little troubling. Yeah, yeah it just makes can... him kind of thin now. He's got Zeke, and I like Tevin Coleman, but behind that, uh, if one of them goes down, or Zeke still hasn't officially signed yet, so who knows what nonsense could unfold. 
uh, he's really playing with fire if something happens with one of those two running backs. Yeah, and I think the one thing you can keep in mind with running backs is there is always the guy that like comes out of nowhere to become a starter somewhere, and then it just becomes a waiver. So you know, I think Colin should really be looking at waivers, um, and you know who's available, you know, backups who could take spots, or just looking at you know, you know, handcuffs. So look at people who you don't think are going to lose their jobs, and then they get hurt or they're ineffective. So I think he should be watching that waiver wire very closely. And who knows, maybe that guy's already on his roster. I mean, you've got Kalen Ballage in Miami. I mean, Kenyon Drake is... <laughs> yeah, but Kenyon Drake is no better. I mean, we're looking at a guy who... Everyone talks about Kenyon Drake being so good, and, you know, what? he's on my team, so I shouldn't bash him. But, um, you know, he's always supposed to be super good, and then he just never quite lives up to the hype. You know, Kalen Ballage, you don't think he's very good, but, you know, could come out and have a big year and take that job. I don't know if I want the starter in Miami. That team's dreadful. Yeah, well, they uh, they are very openly trying to tank right now. So yeah. um, very Matt well. Frida played very good. well last year, though, on a very bad 49ers team without Garoppolo. So you can get good production out of a running back, even on a bad team. There's just got to be the right circumstances. That is true. Saquon Barkley was the number one running back last year, and uh, Gamba saw firsthand how absolutely pitiful the Giants offense was around him and he still was able to put up points. Pretty sure they were actually like middle of the pack in terms of points scored. They were like well, they were, they were a terrible football team. Yeah, no, they're a real bad team, but I think the Dolphins are much worse. Uh, yeah, Dolphins are not that, a good team. That is probably true. Alright, and then we have, um, moving on, we have the Texans making a lot of moves. Um, they acquired um, Carlos, Carlos Hyde. Hyde. Yeah. Uh, in exchange for, I think, a lineman they were going to cut, and then they traded away Clowney, and they acquired Laramie Tunsil. Did I miss anything they did? God, they made a lot of moves. For yes, that. I mean those are the big ones. Yeah, I like I like Tunsil because I think um, I don't know I forget who has Watson. I think that's actually Gamba because I'm playing him this week. I think that's going to help because that just gives him. A little bit better protection, particularly on on that blind side for Watson. Keep him a little bit upright, allows him to run a little bit more and give him more time in the pocket. Yeah, their offensive line needed help, and I think everyone expected them to bring in a running back, uh, especially after Lamar Miller tore his ACL. Uh, people were getting excited about Duke Johnson, and I still think he's probably the favorite in that backfield, but you knew they were going to bring someone else in to help out, and Carlos Hyde made sense as someone who was probably going to be a roster casualty. A lot of people have made the point that Duke Johnson and Carlos Hyde were on the same team last year, and Carlos Hyde started over him. So, John, you actually have both of them, so it's not a concern for you at the moment, but if you were going to start one week one, who's it going to be? Probably Matt Burita. What I've seen from this Houston Texans <laughs> <Thanks>. regime. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? No, keep going. <laughs> Whatever. Um, yeah. I'd probably start Matt Burita. Um, this Texans team has uh, shown in the past that they would keep guys like bruisers like Alfred Blue on the team just to, like, fall up the middle for two yards and not really do anything else. And that might be kind of the role they're going to put Carlos Hyde into. I think uh, Matt Burita is probably going to be the future running back until... um, Or, I'm sorry, not Matt Burita. (laughs) Duke Johnson. Hey, we got there. There we go. (laughs) 
That was the funniest thing I've heard in a long time. They're basically the same guy. So I think Duke Johnson's probably going to be the feature back in Houston. And I uh, don't like Duke Johnson just even at all. Really? really? I, I don't. I mean, he's a good pass-catching back. I think that's kind of where his value lies. Uh, but in an everyday situation, I don't think he's all that good. I think he's just a guy that's going to be a pass-catcher. You know, maybe in Houston they're going to do a lot more passing, you know, with, you know, Watson at QB, and they might go with, you know, very pass-heavy offense, and he could get, you know, a lot of work that way. But as a strict runner, I don't think he's all that good. I disagree. I think Duke Johnson is pretty talented. He's had he hasn't really had the opportunity to show it on some bad Browns teams over the past couple of years. I don't know. He's a smaller guy. I don't know if he can hold up to like a huge workload. I think he did in college. He he carried a lot of uh, the load in Miami, but I think he's pretty talented. And if you're relying on him for just pass catching, I'd be a little worried because that's not really something we've seen Deshaun Watson do. I think the Texans have been last in the league in running back receptions every year Deshaun Watson's played. Yeah, I agree. I think Duke Johnson, being like the second and third string on Cleveland, I really don't think we got to see a full scope of what he would be able to do given number one abilities, but I don't think he's going to be someone who's going to be out there every single down, like a uh, Saquon or a Zeke. Um, I think it is going to be a timeshare, but uh, we'll see how it works. I lucked out into surrounding the... Texans backfield really solidified my running back depth, so uh, that definitely worked out. Yeah, you uh, you came out of the draft looking like you were going to be in big trouble if Melvin Gordon didn't play, which at the moment it looks like he won't, and uh, you've just added running back after running back and also had some fortunate circumstances fall your way into that you're actually in pretty good shape now. Yeah, I got Justin Jackson, Melvin Gordon's backup. We got LaShawn McCoy in there, who is going up to play with uh, Andy Reid. So yeah, let's just let's, get into that. Yeah, let's get into LaShawn McCoy talk. This is uh, Justin's drop of the week. Justin out here, notoriously, notoriously bad hands. We've decided to name this segment after him for the worst drop of the week, and that would go to him dropping LaShawn McCoy like he dropped that pass in the end zone against Gamba. Uh, Gamba, is there anything... Want to make a drop for this segment? I would love that. I Gamba, insert it. Gamba, yes. is there anything you want to say about that uh, football game? Oh, so long, yeah. It, it just <laughs> it it followed the pattern, man. You know, it followed the pattern. Just can't get it done, bro. So, uh, yeah, Justin, Justin can't even uh, defend himself right now. Uh well, too bad. Mm. I no, I ain't complaining. <laughs> Justin's drop of the week, Lashawn McCoy. Um, Justin dropped him as he was being cut from the Bills and signed later that day with the Texans. This is someone who I, you know, I think has marginal upside. Not sure exactly how he's going to be worked into this offense. Um, They do have Damian Williams and other um, running back talent up there, but I think LaShawn McCoy going back with Andy Reid, there is a chance that LaShawn McCoy wins that number one starting role and could maybe have a little bit of a resurgent uh, season here. Do you guys, uh, how do you guys think LaShawn McCoy is going to be this year? Yeah, lots of fallout from this move, but I like LaShawn McCoy's chances, to be honest. Uh, Andy, he obviously has experience playing for Andy Reid. That's why he brought him in, uh, paid him decent money, and out, outright said, you know, he brought him in because he's played with him and he trusts him. And Damian Williams is a 27 year old career backup who had a good half season last year, 
but has fewer than, I think, 200 carries in his career. That's not true. I don't remember what the number is, but it's not a lot. He's really never been much of anything. I just think that Kansas City system is, uh, that offense and Andy Reid system is so good for the entire, all the skill position players, especially running backs who can catch passes, that it's really hard to not succeed in that role. So if LaShawn McCoy shows up and is ready to play and he should know the offense already because he's played in it before, uh, I think he's got a chance to, if not take away a lot of Damian Williams' work, definitely chip into it. He's going to be on the field. Jason, can I interrupt you just for a second? Because I think the mistake was made. You guys are knocking Justin for dropping LaShawn McCoy, but he did not drop LaShawn McCoy. Dan dropped LaShawn McCoy. Hmm. Sponsored by Justin's Bad Hands. Yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm, Is that what Dan happened? dropped LaShawn McCoy in favor of Frank Gore. I'm just, I go to sleep every night and just fantasize and dream about Justin's many, many drops, and uh, it's hard to get them out of my head, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry to attribute that to Justin. That uh, That is a, a very fantasy Justin move. move, but... Yes, that is a fantasy move that would be made by Dan. Dan sometimes isn't the best on keep, at keeping talent on his team, so uh, that is a move that could come back and hurt Dan. And uh, I'm not sure Dan wouldn't have mind, minded having LaShawn McCoy on his roster. Um, right now, it's looking like he's going to start Frank Gore at the Jets week one. Um, very interesting running back move. Um, but he doesn't I mean, We really can talk about the Bill side of this move now, I guess. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, uh, we don't really have to get into it because I don't think Frank Gore is going to be that fantasy relevant, but that's who Dan has in right now. He's currently so, projected four and a half points. So that yeah, picked up Devin Singletary, who's an uh, exciting young player they drafted this year. But I, some people seem to think he's going to get a workhorse role right out the gates. That seems unlikely to me, but I took a flyer on him. And they've still got Frank Gore, who is inevitable. And TJ Yeldon is also on that team. And we don't really expect this to be a good offense, do we? No, no shot. They have a rocket arm, Josh Allen, but uh, not a ton of talent on this offense. A lot of young guys. This is a rebuilding team. I think Singletary was worth taking a shot on, uh, especially I dropped Kiki QT, who uh, I believe has lost some value after the Texans acquired Kenny Stills in their trade with the Dolphins as well. Um, I think he's going to lose some work, and he was a back-end of the roster receiver for me. I had no qualms about cutting him loose. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's Le- the LaShawn McCoy news. Sorry to attribute that to Justin. Uh, that will fall on Dan's head. But while we're talking about Dan, let's get into the team-versus-team matchups. Week one, um, first game we'll talk about, we'll go Dan squaring off against Kellett. Kellett is a three-point favorite in this game. Um, who do you guys have in this matchup? Who do you think is going to come out on top? I would side with uh, Kellett in this one. I think um, his wide receivers are stacked. Uh, I think uh, Dan's going to have a tough time putting up the amount of points that Kellett's going to put up. I think 99.5 projected points for Kellett is light. I think uh, this game does have the potential to be blowout, but we will see. Yeah, I think I'm... Leaning towards Kellett also. Looking at these lineups, starting Frank Gore, not a great look. Uh, both teams kind of playing with fire at defense, if you ask me. Kellett has the Saints uh, at home against Houston. 
and Dan's playing the Bears against the Packers. Pretty potent offenses they're going up against for both of them. But on the whole, I agree with you. Kellett's receiving talent is just really, really good all the way through. Um, and even after I knocked Damian Williams a couple minutes ago, I think at least in week one, it's still going to be mostly his work to have. And it's a tough matchup, but he's, that offense is so good, I don't think it'll matter. Interesting look for both these teams at defense, because not only are they bad matchups for the opposing team, you're looking at Kellett starting the Saints defense against Houston when he rosters DeAndre Hopkins. And Dan going with the Bears defense against Green Bay, and Dan going with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I don't mind starting the defense against the wide receiver. That's going to happen some weeks. Starting a defense going against your quarterback is definitely odd. And Armstrong, as the Packers fan here, what do you think Aaron Rodgers' point total is going to look like um, going at Chicago's defense on Thursday Night Football, first game of the year? So Chicago has probably one of the better defenses in this league, so it's very hard for me to say he's just going to drop 50. It's just I don't think that's realistic. I do think um, Aaron Rodgers likes that primetime game, so you can expect, I would say, at least 330 yards looking at maybe three touchdowns, but I think it's going to be, um, you know, you're looking at a game that could probably end up 30 to 27, and it's going to come down to that, that, you know, late in the game can, you know, if the Packers are down, can Aaron Rodgers lead another comeback? Can they get it? Can the Packers defense get the stops when they need it? Can the Bears get to Rodgers enough to, to make him, you know, not drop those outlandish totals we're used to seeing. So, uh, but I think it's going to be a good game. I think it's the perfect game to start the season. Yeah, I would agree with that final score. I think it's going to be in that ballpark range. The over-under for this game was very low. It's um, 46 and a half. So I, I'd be surprised if that doesn't get hit early in the fourth quarter. I think Aaron Rodgers will probably be fine week one. It's not like he's going into a freezing cold frozen tundra. Up there in Chicago, it should be relatively nice. Um, but he still excels even in there. Something no. to highlight too: Green Bay's defense, while not like elite like Chicago, they're much improved. If, in my opinion, and I know I'm a Packers fan, so I'm biased, but they gotten rid of some of these older defensive players. Where obviously, like Clay Matthews is gone, which makes me sad. But uh, you know, he hasn't been as productive lately. Haha, <laughs> Clinton Dix is gone. Morgan Burnett has been gone for a while. You know, they have a lot younger defense. We're looking at people like um, up the mid, you know, Rashawn Gary. You know, they signed two outside backers to, to rush the passer. Um, they just gave uh, an extension to a defensive player. I don't remember who. Um, but they got Jair Alexander on the edge, looking like one of the, the better corners in the game. And so I think this defense is a lot better, and you could I could think they could really hold down Mitch Trubisky. That would be interesting if that does happen. Who do you think is going to come out on top in this game, Kellett or Dan? I, I don't think it's a question. I think it's going to be Kellett. It just that roster is just so good. Uh, just, and I know it's not like you know one of the greatest rosters ever you know assembled in fantasy, but just comparing it to Dan's, it's just not even a contest in my mind. Who do you got, Jason? Uh, I said Kellett before. If I could just go back to the QB uh, decision for a second, though. Dan is also rostering Drew Brees, and if I'm Dan, I just don't see a reason to take the risk with Aaron Rodgers going up against a really tough Bears defense. 
when you also have Drew Brees at home in prime time against a much, much worse defense in the Texans, who has a devastated secondary right now and also just traded away uh, one of their best pass rushers. That is a very good point. I overlooked that. That's that's probably a move he should make. We'll see if uh, we'll see if he does it. Gamba, do you have a uh, do you have a take here? Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Kellett as well. I think he has a better team. I think his starting lineup is better. I'm definitely 100% all in on the Baker Mayfield train. I think he's a stud. Uh, his receivers are pretty hard to argue. They're probably one of the best receiving core in the league, if not one of the best. And, um, yeah, just overall, Kellett has a really solid team, so I think he's going to come out on top in this one. So that is 4-0 for Kellett in that matchup. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if Dan can pull off the upset. Uh, the second matchup we'll look up is uh, me going against Duff. Duff is going to end up being around a one-point favorite. Um, who, do, uh, who do we like in this matchup? I obviously like myself. I think this matchup has a chance to uh, kind of put up a lot of points on both sides. He's got Patrick Mahomes, who uh, has the potential to go off at any time. He's uh his wide receivers and running backs have pretty favorable matchups. I don't know. I mean I'm gonna I'm taking myself, but who do you guys like in this matchup? I think I'm gonna lean you right now as well. Uh I don't like starting Jordan Howard. I I honestly don't want him on any of my teams. It is a good matchup against Washington, uh where the Eagles could be killing clock early in the second half in what should just be an absolute blowout. But he's in a committee at best and really has had a hard time holding down a job, although he made it through roster cuts, not that I thought uh, he was in danger of it. But there's still the kid they drafted, Miles Sanders, and Darren Sproles is still on that team somehow. Uh, they're both going to get work also. Duff's and Jay Ajayi is still there, right? No, Jay Ajayi is a free agent, I believe. Yeah. Duff's starting the Patriots defense. Uh, I didn't want to say it. I don't even want him to know. That, I think, could be a huge deciding factor in this game. Starting the New England defense against Pittsburgh is a huge mistake, in my opinion. Yeah, especially, especially when you have... Always terrible first three to four weeks of the season. They'll be a top-five defense at the end of the year, but you can't start them early on. Yeah, Duff also has Seattle's defense on the bench, so playing oh, Cincinnati. Seattle's yeah. playing Cincinnati, that, that's a no-brainer for me. I think, obviously, now he's probably going to slot them in there, but... The way it is right now, I would definitely give John the, uh, God the damn edge it, I here. So I'm going to actually go opposite to you guys. And I'm, I think at the way it stands now is I think I actually like Duff a little bit more in this matchup. I mean, you got Mahomes against Jacksonville. Devontae Freeman, yes, against Minnesota, but he's now pretty much by himself in that backfield. So he's going to get a lot of work. Adam Thielen against Atlanta. Jarvis Landry against Tennessee. Kelsey against Jacksonville, Cooks against Carolina, who will have very little corners, and yet he could he could possibly switch his defense out. And in a high scoring game, he has the Houston kicker. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Jared Goff either. I, you know, I don't know if Duke Johnson's going to have that big of a workload. Julio Jones is iffy injury wise. You know, and you got Tyler Boyd. Who's I, I wouldn't worry about Julio Jones week one. He's he's all go. I, I agree. He's against. He's going up against you know one of the top corners in the game. Xavier, um, no, not Xavier Howard. Xavier um, Rhodes. Xavier Rhodes um, in Minnesota. That's not going to be an easy matchup for him. You know, Tyler Boyd is 
a Cincinnati wide receiver, solid player, but nothing special. You do have Zach Ertz, but, you know, I just think there's more just talent on Duff's team right now. It's just surprising mm-hmm. considering the way Duff drafts. Probably just, comes down to to what the Chiefs offense can do. Because if Patrick Mahomes balls out, then Travis Kelsey is probably going to be part of it. And that stack could really put you in a deep hole, John. Yeah, that's a very good point. That is a very good point. So this uh, this should be a closest game. Closest projected game we have uh, we have here right now. What uh, what was the final tally on that one? 3-1? Yeah, I believe it's uh, 3-1. It's on the loan deferral to Duff. Okay, next we got uh, Roman versus Colin. Roman is a very big 14-point favorite. Um, I think Zeke might be projected for zero. He, he is. That's, that's factoring that in. And if he plays, he's going to drop 25 points on the Giants. He, uh, I gave him a very generous projection of 20, and that is still Roman winning by 14 points. Interesting. So, uh, yeah, Roman, he might be getting a little generous projections for Joe Mixon, 14, and Carrion Johnson, 13. But he's got Juju going at New England. I think that's going to be a big day for him. Keenan Allen at Indy. I think Keenan Allen's going to eat Indy alive. Uh, Mark Ingram versus Miami is going to run for 100 yards and two touchdowns. I think this is going to be a blowout. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. There's just, and I thought Colin drafted a little bit better than this, but I guess not. But he does have a, a solid top with, with Zeke and Mike Thomas, and they can put up, you know, 50 points between the two of them easily. And, you know, you, Matt Ryan's always good for, you know, 17, 18 points at least. He can do a lot better than that as well. I do think Matt Ryan at that Minnesota defense will be a little bit tough while Phillip Rivers has Indy. I think Indy, we'll we'll see if they wake up for week one, but I think losing Andrew Luck um, is going to hurt the morale of that team. That defense is not that great to begin with. I know they've been better. They were better last year. Pretty week, good. But, uh, but that's a tough loss right there. It's it's really demoralizing for that team. Yeah, you have to see I, how they kind of respond. To I that. do think it's going to be a morale thing. You're turning the keys over to Jacoby Brissett. We'll see how that team responds to that. So yeah, I'm I'm definitely going Roman in this one. What do uh What do you guys got? Roman definitely. I want to take Colin, but I don't think is Deshaun Jackson going to play. He broke his finger. I um I haven't seen anything saying he won't play. He's questionable right now. Um, it's a fractured finger. He's seeing a specialist on Wednesday. Confidence um, in the building that Jackson will play week one. Even if he does, he's probably only going to catch like three passes for 100 yards. Um, him just running vertical routes the entire game. And that's, so, a good, that's a bit of an ambitious seed, too, because well, he I mean, hasn't he's, been that good lately. He he's such a hit or Washington. Yeah, he's a hit-or-miss player, but Washington is terrible. They might be one of the worst teams in football. Um, I don't like... Really Can't wait for the anyone. Washington Redskins to beat the Giants forty to three. I I'm already chalking up the Giants going one one versus the Redskins. We're getting a win against them. I don't really like any of anyone on Collins bench. So if Djax doesn't play, I think he's probably SOL. So I'm taking I'm taking Colin if Djax plays and Roman otherwise. Can I hedge like that? Is that allowed? Sure. What do you uh, What do you got, Gamba? Yeah, I think Roman's definitely going to win. Okay. Uh, next, we're moving on to Jason versus Campbell. This is another very closely uh, projected con- contest right now. Jason, you're a one-point favorite over Campbell. Uh, what do you think your odds are in this game? Uh, I like my odds a lot, to be honest. Uh, Cam Newton, I expect to have to 
put up a lot of points to keep up with the Rams. Uh, my running backs have really good matchups. The, tig- the Tigers, the uh, Lions and Titans don't have good run defenses. Uh, I get the Ravens get to tear apart the Dolphins offense, which I'm excited to watch, which also means Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to throw for 450 yards and five <laughs> touchdowns. That's genuinely my biggest fear. Is magic. Is Ryan Fitzpatrick? It's magic. It's magic. Yeah. yeah. Excuse me. I uh, I do agree with you. I think you'll be able to get away with a win this week. Um, I worry about David Johnson, but against Detroit, he should have a nice day. Um, Nick Chubb against Tennessee, same thing. Kenny Galloway at Arizona. Arizona is terrible. I think they have no uh, cornerbacks. Yeah, Patrick I think Peterson. he'll be fine. Um, what I think is really going to turn this matchup is, uh, we know we bash Campbell a lot, but his roster is actually not that bad. But the, the difference between Jason and Campbell here is that Campbell's top players are going against tough competition. And some of Jason's better players are going off fairly weak competition. So I think you could see big games from Jason and average games for some of the, the, the truly um, elite players on Campbell's team. You know, if you look at Devontae Adams against Chicago, I mean, that's going to be a tough place to play. I do think he'll play well with Rodgers playing well. But then you also look at Leonard Fournette against KC, and they could be down early and go to the passing game. So that's the thing. If Jacksonville has any chance of staying in that game against Kansas City, they are going to run the ball repetitively. And uh, that could turn into a big day for Leonard Fournette. Kansas City's defense, while they do have a pretty good front seven, I I think they were pretty susceptible to uh, good running backs going up there and being able to run it a little bit. But um, that is true. If they fall behind early, I'm not sure if uh, Big Dick Nick will stick with that running game. They might try and slant a little bit. I, so. I see the same thing for Derrick Henry. Like Tennessee, I expect to lose to the Browns. And if they're down early... Uh, Derrick Henry's the kind of guy that gets game scripted out because he just doesn't catch the ball at all. Yep, agreed. I'm going. Uh, I'm going. Jason in this one. Yeah, I'm with Jason here. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna pick Campbell in this one. I think. Ooh. I think he's got some solid players. I I am a little bit worried about some of the matchups like you guys were talking about. His players are are facing good teams, but I just think that. I think Leonard Fournette's going to have a good game. Kyler Murray, I think, is going to go off in his first game. Uh, George Kittle, obviously, very good at tight end. James White, always going to catch some passes out of the backfield for New England. I just think Campbell's got a pretty solid team, so I, I like him in this one. I do agree that the New England-Pittsburgh script probably includes James White, for some reason, scoring like three touchdowns and catching 15 passes. He Not also really has sure why I feel like that. wide receiver, too. So it could very become an Edelman-White game where they just, that's where all they do is they, they you know dump passes off to those two all game against Pittsburgh. Yeah, if that game becomes kind of a shootout, that uh, that could be a reality. Campbell, so. Campbell has Sterling Shepard on his bench, which to me is a little bit surprising because... Uh, Shepard right now is the number one in the Giants. He's going to get targets. Eli's going to throw to him. So, yeah, um, but who are you starting him over? Yeah, who are you putting them in over? James White, maybe. I'd rather play White. No, yeah, that's a good point. But uh, I just thought that that was interesting. He's on the bench there as a number one. Maybe trade him later in the year for something. That also is uh, Sterling Shepard. That Giants offense is definitely one where I want to give it a week or two to see. Yeah. Exactly what we got on offense without how, Odell there. How they're going to play if they're just going to hand the ball to, to Saquon, you know, 
60-70% of the time and let Eli throw on third down, whatever they're going to do. I'm, I'm yeah, I want to see what Eli's mentality coming out is, if it's going to be him trying to play to save his job and trying to throw for 350 and a couple touchdowns, or if they're going to do what they did last year and just give Saquon 75% of the touches on offense. Absolutely, it'll be interesting to see. I so, see them really turn into Eli, like, oh, not sorry, turning to Daniel Jones halfway through the year. So maybe Shepard's a worthwhile stash waiting for them to switch over to Jones, and then maybe his uh, value goes up a bit with the new QB who might come out playing very well. I, I don't, demo, greatest Matt ever. I don't, th- I don't think that you're going to see Daniel Jones this year. I, I really, I really don't. <clears throat> I don't think so because. Actually, the only way you're going to see him is if he starts like week 16, 17, and the Giants are just not, you know, not anywhere close to being good, which I don't know if they're going to be. But yeah, I, I don't think that really, I don't think Daniel Jones is going to play this year. I think the Giants really want to put him in a position where he's going to be successful, and I don't think they're going to throw him out there with a team that is not going to be able to support him. I think they're going to wait till next year, try and reload a little bit build around Daniel Jones, give him a year under Eli, and, and have him play next year like they did with Patrick Mahomes over in uh, Kansas City. I would agree with you, but here's the one caveat to that, is outside of Mahomes, the only, everyone comes out saying, oh, they're not going to play this year, they're not going to play this year, you're going to sit behind the guy. And then week four or five, six comes, and then they make the switch. I mean, look at Lamar Jackson. He was viewed as a project. He was going to be uh, maybe a year and a half, two years down the line, we'll turn to Lamar Jackson once Flacco's contract's out of the way. You know, halfway through the year, he took that job and he ran with it. I mean, yeah, he wasn't the most accurate passer, but he was the starter and he was very effective. I mean, teams are turning to their rookie quarterbacks really quickly. The minute there's anything bad with the the original starter, they make that switch. I mean, look at Trubisky. They signed Mike Glennon, then drafted Trubisky. Glennon was signed for three years, and within two weeks, they switched to Trubisky. I mean, right. you, you don't know what they're going to do. They're going to say, oh, we're going to give Eli the year to see what he can do. But at what point are you just trotting out a 38-year-old quarterback with a bad roster? Right. Well, actually, last year Flacco did get hurt, which is why Jackson uh, played. Flacco hurt his hip. But, um, right, but you know, you know, you know, maybe Eli gets hurt, and you have to turn to Daniel yeah, Jones, that was, that's and then he runs with that's, it. That's what I was going to say. I think there's a possibility this year that Eli is going to get beat up, and he's going to get hurt at some point, and... Obviously, if that happens, you're going to see Jones. They're not going to put. Uh, I think. I think Tanny is our third quarterback. I don't think you're going to see him out there. I think you're going to see Jones just to get people going to the games. But yeah, if Eli gets hurt, you'll definitely see him. Um, really quick. Question. Yes. Are you high or just incredibly stupid? Please do not compare Eli Manning to Mike Glennon. I. You're talking about other teams that um, are not the Giants. This Giants ownership and fan base loves Eli, and I think it's uh, kind of detrimental to a point where the ownership doesn't want to let Eli go. I understand that Jones is probably going to play at some point this year, but I don't think he's going to be pulled um, in the first half of the season, and it's definitely not a situation like the Bears replacing Mike Glennon with Mitch Trubisky. I see it a little bit with uh, Flacco, but... Um, I mean, Flacco won the Ravens the Super Bowl. And he was Super Bowl MVP, and he got hurt, and when he came back, they said, no, you're going to be backup. I mean, 
not that it's apples to, apples to apples, you know, with, with Eli. I mean, Eli's clearly won more with the Giants than Flacco has. He's clearly been a better QB over the life of his career, and he's clearly a New York Giants legend. But, you know, at what point are you trotting out a 38-year-old quarterback with a subpar roster? I mean, isn't it might be might be beneficial to them to trot out their rookie quarterback to get experience in, say, week nine? I, at, which, I, at which point, coming back to the original point, Sterling Shepard's value just goes through the roof because perhaps you're elevating the offense a bit. I do agree with you. I think that's what they should do. I just don't think that's what the Giants ownership will do. Um, and I just wanted to use that drop. So there we go. We'll see how that turns out. In uh, in the next game, as uh, that one I think was 3-1, um, Jason versus Campbell. In the next game, we got Justin versus Eric. Um, Justin is a four-point favorite. It's now up to five-point favorite against Eric. Um, this looks like it has the potential to be a pretty close game, but like we were talking about uh, before, Eric's wide receivers are lacking. Um, who do you guys have in this game? I think Justin dominates him. I really hate Eric's team. I keep bashing on it, and he might shut me up real good, but I just... I don't like it. But, uh, I wouldn't want to start the Jags D against KC if I'm Justin, but the rest of his team I just think is just better. Deep sleeper of a defense right there. Eric's kind of doing the same thing. I like Minnesota's D, but I don't know if I'd start them going against Atlanta either. That probably will be about a wash if they decide to stick with that. Um, yeah, I think Justin has him covered at wide receiver. I don't think his running backs are that far behind. I don't love... Justin's running backs, um, Josh Justin Jacobs. Has more, I, if I was Justin, I might switch out Eckler for one of the running backs on his bench, just because you want to see what shakes out in, yeah. uh, in Los Angeles week one. Even though Eckler is expected to get most of the work, um, you have guys who you know are going to get it in Montgomery and Michelle in comparable matchups, I'd say. Yeah, I've seen everything from Austin Eckler being the true starter to it's going to be a 50-50 dead split between him and Justin Jackson. So uh, that would probably be my strategy as well, is give it a week and see exactly what that offense looks like before you roll uh, Eckler out there. Um, and while I was bashing Indy's defense earlier, um, their run defense specifically is actually very good. So um, that could uh, that could be a challenging matchup in itself for someone who... Um, Justin does not even know exactly what share of the offense he's getting. So uh, I, I do agree. I'm going Justin in this matchup. You know, I think this game's going to be actually a lot closer than we're making it sound. You know, I, I don't think Eric's team is that talented. But I look at that, Justin, you, you don't know what you're going to get with Josh Jacobs. I mean, talented running back out of college, but you don't know what you're going to get. Some people are busts or they start slow. You look at Austin Eckler, you don't, like you said, you don't know what his share is going to be. Beckham in a new offense with another majorly talented receiver in Landry. You don't know what how he's going to be utilized. T.Y. Hilton without Andrew Luck. Mike Evans, who is, you know, on again, off again, hot and cold. Jacksonville against KC. Tom Brady, who... And the Patriots, who tend to start slow, like we talked about before. I mean, there's a lot of ifs on Justin's team. Whereas, at least with Eric, you know what you're getting. I mean, you could get Alvin Kamara go and Delvin Cook just completely go off. Eric Ebron was a touchdown vulture last year. Guskowski is always pretty solid at kicker. We are not doing kicker analysis on this podcast. If it comes down to the kickers, I think... But we got Dak Prescott, 
back <laughs> against the Giants, which could be an issue. I mean, this could be a close game. They're going to run I, the ball 55 is, times. That is something I didn't take into account. Is um, I'm looking at T.Y. Hilton and thinking he's going to be a stud. But they do have Jacoby Brissett back there. I know T.Y. Hilton was pretty good when Jacoby Brissett started a couple years back. I don't think that's true. Really? I, I think, think uh quite bad. Well, I, losing Andrew Luck either way is going to hurt his uh production. You don't know how that offense is going to run. Realistically, Jacoby Brissett's only been taking first-team offensive snaps for, what, like a week and a half? He, right. um I don't know. I mean, he's got experience after when he played that whole year in, in place of Andrew Luck, but... I don't know. You know, that gives me a lot of cause concern, a lot of ifs on Justin's team. It's making me want to pick Eric right here. You know, a- I, I know, I know his receivers are not that good, but you know, in Green Bay with Scantling, he could vulture a touchdown. We you talk about how Washington could, you know, become the next Smith Schuster, and then you got, you know, you Phil Lindsay. About that? I talked about that. Who um? You got who, Phil who am I getting right here? Dak Prescott's going to drop forty-five fantasy points on the Giants. I'm actually. Yeah, I'm switching it. I'm switching my pick to Eric. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going with Eric. If Eric wins, it's because Kamara and Cook dropped 35 each. Like, I'm expecting in prime time Kamara to be good for at minimum 25. Um, we'll see what you get from Dalvin Cook, but I now, I'm looking at it. I actually think Eric's running backs might wash out Justin's wide receivers, and if that happens, I give Eric the edge at QB. Um, I give him the edge at tight end, and uh, he might even have the edge in the flex. I kind of like Philip Lindsay. That Oakland team, uh, I mean, we'll see. They've been kind of a disaster following them through hard knocks. Philip Lindsay might have himself a nice day. I think I um, disagree with you on all accounts there. I'd rather have Brady in that matchup in Pittsburgh. I think that's the second highest over-under of the week. That's intended to be or expected to be a high-scoring game. I'd much rather have Hunter Henry than Eric Ebron. Uh, I really, like, I don't think Ebron's that good. He had a really good year with touchdowns last year, but we just talked about how we don't expect the offense to be as good, and we don't know Brissett's tendencies in terms of uh, targeting the tight end like we know Andrew Luck liked to do in the red zone. And I've said it before, but I'm just down on Philip Lindsay, and I love Mike Evans. Yeah. I uh, I think Eric Ebron could be a nice security blanket for Jacoby Brissett. Um but we'll see. This is a close game. I'm uh, I'm switching to Eric. Jason, you're uh, you're going with Justin. Yep. Who you got, Armstrong? I had Eric. And Gamba, what do you got? Eric James. Wow. The first uh, projected to lose team getting a uh, a dub here. Eric takes that one three to one. And the last game of the week is Armstrong versus Gamba. Fight. Go at it. Uh, I don't think this is a question. I have the better team here, but if you guys <laughs> want to uh, do the debating, then I'll let that happen, of course. Yeah, I'm interested in your guys' commentary, Jason and John, because I think both Gammon and I are a little uh, biased here. Well, I love Armstrong's running backs. I have the same running back set in another league. Um, I think that does have a little bit of like injury potential, and Le'Veon Bell might have to shake off some rust. But as far as week one, I think Le'Veon Bell is going to show off for his new team. I think Todd Gurley's knee week one is obviously going to be as healthy as it's going to be all year. I think he'll be fine. Um, I like both of your guys' wide receivers. I think Mike Williams is going to feast against the Indy defense. I think Alshon Jeffrey is going to feast against one of the worst defenses in the league in uh, Washington. Gamba, you got Stefan Diggs and Antonio Brown. Um, if Antonio Brown can find a helmet that fits him, I think he'll have a nice day against Denver. 
And uh, Stefan Diggs against Atlanta, I think that's going to be a high-scoring game as well. Um, I like... Evan Ingram more than Joku, but I like Aaron Jones more than Tyler Lockett. I think this is going to be a very close game. I'm taking Gamba. You're going Gamba? Yeah. I think Deshaun Watson's going to blow up. I think Tyler Lockett has as good a chance as anyone to catch a bomb against Cincinnati, who's junk. Saquon is Saquon. Uh, I'm interested to see what Todd Gurley looks like week one. Uh, I think for Armstrong, it, it obviously comes down to those top-end running backs, Bell and, and Gurley. They could show you, out and uh, and put him over the top, but right now I'm giving the edge to Gamba. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to really compare here because I feel like Gamba just has so much upside, you know, with Saquon, Deshaun, Diggs, and, you know, Brown. But, you know, outside of his top guys, you know, I think there are guys there that worry me, like Tyler Lockett, Tariq Cohen, who was on my roster last year, and very, very meh year is the way I would put it. It was just nothing special. And I think, it, you know, while his obviously his receivers are far and beyond way better than mine with Alshon Jeffrey and Mike Williams, you know, Mike Williams has a lot of hype coming out of preseason, and even Philip Rivers talked about how he's going to be super, super involved, and, you know, people are talking about him not necessarily usurping Keenan Allen, but becoming like a co-number one. And if Philly puts up a lot of points against Washington, I have both Carson Wentz and Alshon Jeffrey, which could give me a little bit of a boost. You know, a high-scoring game in Green Bay, uh, in Chicago with Green Bay could give Jones a lot of points, and obviously having two of the top running backs doesn't hurt me, obviously. So I think this is a, definitely a close game. I mean, I'm going to take myself because I think there's a lot more upside on my team. Uh, but obviously Gamble's going to take himself, with, and he's allowed to do that as well. Are you worried if... With that, you're predicting a high-scoring game in Green Bay, Chicago. That that doesn't put Tariq Cohen on the field for most of the game as they try to presumably keep up with the Packers and he's going to be catching passes. They did that a lot last year. You know, when they did have a lot of offensive games where they had to put up a lot of points, and he still wasn't that effective. So I'm not worried about Tariq Cohen. If he comes out and puts up 25 points, then it's so be it. That's you know, not much I can do there. Um, but I think they tend to like to go more to the outside in those high-flying games, um, looking at the tight ends and th- those outside wide receivers. Um, so I'm not necessarily worried about a high-scoring game in Chicago really benefiting Tariq Cohen. Yeah, I I, I honestly I feel like um, my team definitely has the edge here. I think Carson Wentz stinks. I think uh, Elshon <laughs> Jeffrey is going to be catching passes from Carson Wentz, who stinks. I think uh, David Njoku is the third target on Cleveland. Odell and Jarvis Landry are going to be crying for the football, and if they don't get it, there's going to be major problems over there in Believe Land. Uh, who even is Aaron Jones? I'm not really sure, to be honest with you. Eagles defense, pretty good, but, you know, the rest of the Eagles team stinks. So, no, I'm kidding. The Eagles are pretty good, but I, I really don't I really don't like uh, Carson Wentz. I think he's overrated. I think he's probably going to get injured at some point this year, but... um if I could say anything bad about my team, I'm actually worried about Tariq Cohen. I think he's he's very uh, inconsistent with his fantasy output. Some weeks he'll he'll go off, he'll catch a lot of passes, he'll score a touchdown, and then some weeks he's just nowhere to be found. So I think it's going to be an interesting matchup for sure for both yeah. of us. But uh, I, I'm going to obviously pick myself, and we'll see what happens. One thing just from a strategy standpoint is I don't like flexing a third wideout unless that wideout is like, 
basically he's a wide receiver one or two, but you have so many good wide receivers. So Tyler Lockett, you know, has some games where, you know, Russell Wilson loves throwing to him, and then he'll have games where it's just like one reception for four yards, and that's a half a point. Whereas you, you flex a running back, even if it's a number two back or, a number, or even if it's a number one on a bad team, you're still talking about at least as a floor six, seven, eight points. So that's where I kind of, you know, I think, you know, Lockett could give him a dud, at, you know, in the flex. I'm uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Armstrong on this one only because I think Philly is gonna drop over 20 fantasy points. They're scoring a touchdown if not two this week. Dwayne Haskins sucks. Um, they're gonna blow Dwayne out the Redskins. Case Keenum is the starter in one. Case minute. Keenum also sucks. Yeah. The, the Redskins suck. I don't really care who's starting there. Um, Darius guys sucks. They have no wide receivers. They have no defense. They're a pitiful, pitiful football team. Uh, Philly, Philly defense, twenty-five fantasy points this week. You heard it here first. Armstrong looking, takes this one. Looking at Le'Veon Bell too, he's playing Buffalo. Like yeah, you talk about him having rust, but he's playing Buffalo. I mean, you don't need. No, you that's why I'm giving it to you this week. I don't you don't know. Need uh, fresh. Yeah, I don't Buffalo. know if um, Le'Veon Bell will have quite the season the Jets are expecting him to have, but I do think week one he is going to show out for his team. Gonna try and make a good first impression with the Jets. I think him and Todd Gurley will both have good weeks. And, and uh, I, think I, I, I do agree with Gamba that I'm not a huge. Cares, I'm not a huge Carson Wentz guy, but uh, he's thrown for four touchdowns against Washington. That's going to be the biggest blowout of the entire weekend. So uh, yeah, be over Gamba, biggest blowout of the weekend. I agree. No, no. Uh, I yeah. think this would be a pretty close game. You heard it here first. John Devotee thinks I will blow up my Gamba. You know what? Facts. I'm sticking with it. All right. So that one goes 2-2, and those are all of the uh, projections we're giving for these teams. We have Kellett, me, Roman, Jason, E. James, and uh, Armstrong and Gamba tying 2-2. So there you go. Is there anything else you guys want to say? This will be a good season. Yeah, I agree. I'm looking forward to it. I think uh, this year my team should be a lot more competitive than last year, which was a disaster. So it'll be fun. Alright guys, this has been the Champcast. Thank you for listening in. Armstrong, Gamba, thank you guys for coming on. Thank you for having me. Of course, thank you. And uh, Jason, until next time. See you guys. See you, boy.